ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله أما بعد So continuing with Balugh al-Maram of Al-Hafaz ibn Hajar, rahimahullahu ta'ala, we are still in the section Babu al-Adhan, the chapter regarding the Adhan. We have now reached the hadith of Ibn Umar wa Aisha radiyallahu anhuma qala, qala Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, inna bilalan yu'adhinu bilayl. فَكُلُوا وَشْرَبُوا حَتَّى يُنَادِيَ ابْنَ أُمِّ مَكْتُومٍ وَكَانَ رَجُلًا أَعْمَى لَا يُنَادِي حَتَّى يُقَالَ لَهُ أَصْبَحْتَ أَصْبَحْتَ مُتَّفَكٌ عَلَيْهِ وَفِي آخِرِهِ إِدْرَاجٍ In this hadith of Ibn Umar and Aisha رضي الله عنهما they said that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Indeed, Bilal, he gives the adhan at night. So eat and drink until Ibn Umm Maktoum gives the adhan. And he was a man who was blind, radiallahu anhu. And he did not used to give the adhan until it was said to him, Asbahta, Asbahta. Meaning that the time of Fajr has begun, it's here. And that is a hadith that is muttafakun alayh. And the ending of it is added by the narrator. وعن ابن عمر رضي الله عنهما also النبي الآلن أذن قبل الفجر فأمره النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم أن يرجع فينادي ألا إن العبد نام رواه أبو داود وضعفه وعن أبي سعيد الخدري رضي الله عنه قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم إذا سمعتم النداء فقولوا مثل ما يقول المؤذن نعم that will come to later the first two hadith then they are talking about the issue that we mentioned before about fajr fajr we said are two types of fajr the true fajr and the false fajr and it's also mentioned about having two adhans at the time of Fajr. So these ahadith are going to be speaking about these two adhans in the morning at the time of Fajr. Shaykh al-Fawzan, he says, هذا الحديث فيه أنه كان للنبي صلى الله عليه وسلم مؤذنان. This hadith indicates that there were two people who used to do the adhan. Bilal, no, uh, Abdullah ibn Umm Maktoum, radiyallahu anhum. Both of them, they used to do the adhan. Ahaduhuma Bilal ibn Rabah, wathani ibn Umm Maktoum. Wakilahuma kana min al-muhajirin, radiyallahu ta'ala anhuma. And both of them, Bilal and ibn Umm Maktoum, radiyallahu anhuma, were from the muhajirin. Wa'amma qawli nabi sallam, as for the statement of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi sallam, إِنَّ بِلَالًا يُؤَذِّنُ بِلَيْلِ That indeed Bilal, he gives the adhan at night, i.e. أَنَّهُ كَانَ يُؤَذِّنُ قَبْلَ دُخُولِ وَقْتِ الْفَجَرِ 
that Bilal, he used to give the adhan before the time of Fajr entered. وَإِذَا كَانَ كَذَلِكَ And if that is the case, that Bilal ibn Rabah radiallahu anhu used to give the adhan before the time of Fajr, فَإِنَّ أَذَانَهُ لَا يُحَرِّمُ الْأَكْلَ وَالشُرْبَ عَلَى مَنْ يُرِيدُ الصَّيَامِ Then that means the adhan of Bilal at the morning, that does not make it haram to eat and drink for the person who wants to fast. Because that adhan of Bilal radiallahu anhu used to be prior, before the entering of the time of Fajr. And that is because Allah said in the Quran, وَكُلُوا وَشْرَبُوا حَتَّى يَتَبَيَّنَ لَكُمُ الْخَيْطُ الْأَبْيَضُ مِنَ الْخَيْطِ الْأَسْوَدِ مِنَ الْفَجْرِ Allah said in the Quran in Surah Al-Baqarah, and eat and drink until it becomes clear to you the white string from the black string of Fajr. And what does that mean? I.e. the darkness of the light, or rather the darkness of the night is distinguished from the lightness of the day. I.e. that Fajr time it begins, the accurate proper Fajr time. Then we know that Ibn Umm Maktoum, he used to make the second adhan after that in the morning. فَإِنَّهُ يَتَقَيَّدُ بِالْأَذَانِ عِنْدَ طُلُوعِ الْفَجْرِ He used to make the adhan when the Fajr actually came about. When the time for Fajr actually came about, he used to make the adhan. وَحِينَئِذٍ يَمْتَنِعُ مَنْ يُرِيدُ الصِّيَامِ عَنَ الْإِسْتِمْرَارِ فِي الْأَكْلِ وَشُرْبِ And that's the point, the adhan of Ibn Maktoum radiallahu anhu, that the people must then stop eating and drinking if they want to fast. لِأَنَّ غَايَةَ الْأَكْلِ وَشُرْبِ إِلَى طُلُوعِ الْفَجْرِ Because the maximum you can carry on eating and drinking to is until that fajr starts, the proper time. وَأَذَانِ ابْنِ أُمْ مَكْتُومِ عَلَامَ عَلَى طَلُوعِ الْفَجْرِ And the adhan of Ibn Umm Maktoum, the second adhan, that was the sign that the actual fajr has now begun. لِأَنَّهُ كَانَ رَجُلًا أَعْمَى Because he was blind. لَا يُؤَذِّنُ حَتَّى يُقَالَ لَهُ أَصْبَحْتَ أَصْبَحْتَ He never used to make the adhan, he was blind until somebody said to him, until it was said to him, أَصْبَحْتَ أَصْبَحْتَ Meaning that the fajr is beginning, the time is there. The proper fajr is starting, so then he would make the adhan. We also mentioned in a previous hadith, لَيْسَ بَيْنُهُمَا إِلَّا أَنْ يَنْزِلَ هَذَا وَيَسْعَدُ هَذَا That there didn't used to be a big gap between the adhan of Bilal ibn Abi Rabah and the adhan uh, of Ibn Umm Maktoum radiallahu anhuma. There didn't used to be a big gap between the adhan of Bilal ibn Rabah rather and Ibn Umm Maktoum radiallahu anhuma. Bilal ibn Rabah, he used to come down and Ibn Umm Maktoum barely after that used to stand up and make the adhan for the time of Fajr. So even though Bilal radiallahu anhu used to make the adhan before the time of Fajr, it was only momentarily before the time for actual Fajr. Um... What does this hadith therefore indicate? فِي الْحَدِيثِ دَلِيلٌ عَلَى جَوَازِ اتِّخَاذِ مُؤَذِّنَيْنِ فِي مَسْجِدٍ وَاحِدٍ This hadith indicates from its benefits that it is permissible to have two different people who do the adhan in the same mosque. It's permissible. Here the Prophet ﷺ had Bilal and Ibn Umm Maktoum radiallahu anhumah. 
both of them doing the adhan. So the hadith indicates that it is permissible to have two different individuals who are the mu'adhin for the masjid. The second issue is that it is permissible to have an adhan prior to the entering of the time of Fajr. Before the actual time of Fajr enters, it is permissible to have an adhan before that. وَقَدْ سَبَقَ أَنَّ الْأَذَانِ إِنَّمَا يَكُونُ عِنْدَ دَخُولِ الْوَقْتِ But we already mentioned before that the adhan should be when? When the time for the prayer starts. However, Fajr is an exception. It is specific for Fajr. As for the remainder of the prayers, then it must be done when the time begins. But for Fajr, it's an exception where another adhan is allowed prior to the actual adhan. And that is the wisdom behind that, as Shaykh Al-Fawzan, Hafizahullah, mentions, وَالْحِكْمَةُ فِي جَوَازِ الْأَذَانِ قَبْلَ الْفَجَرِ أَنَّ النَّاسَ يَكُونُونَ نَائِمِينَ The wisdom is because at that time, Fajr time, the people are going to be asleep. فَيَحْتَاجُونَ إِلَى التَّنْبِيهِ لِتَهَيُّؤْ لِلصَّلَاةِ So they are in need of something to alert them that Fajr is approaching so they can get ready. They need something to alert them. That Fajr is about to come so they can get ready. فَلَوْ اقْتَصَرَ عَلَى الْأَذَانِ الَّذِي عِنْدَ طَلُوعِ الْفَجَرِ لَمْ يَتَمَكَّنْ بَعَضُهُمْ أَوْ الْكَثِيرِ مِنْهُمْ مِنْ إِدْرَاكِ الصَّلَاةِ So if that first Adhan prior to the actual Adhan wasn't there, it was just the actual Adhan for the time of Fajr starting that was there, then many people if they heard that Adhan and got up, they may not have enough time to get ready and come to the congregation. It's possible many people from waking up and getting ready, may not prepare themselves quickly enough to catch the prayer. If it was just the actual adhan at the time when the time enters. And that's why the wisdom here is to have this extra adhan prior to that, to give the people some extra time, to alert them that the time is coming, so they can start to get up and prepare and have sufficient time to be able to attend the prayer. وَقَدْ جَاءَ فِي الْحَدِيثِ مَا يَدُلُّ عَلَى هَذِي الْحِكْمَةِ and it's mentioned in one of the narrations what indicates this wisdom. وَهُوَ أَنَّهُ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ قَالَ عَنِ الْأَذَانِ الْأَوَّلِ And that is because the Prophet said regarding the first adhan, لِيُوقِضَ نَائِمَكُمْ وَيَرْجِعَ قَائِمُكُمْ That the first adhan is done in order that the people who are asleep can wake up and start to get ready, etc. And similarly, the people who are praying the night prayer can now stop and go back and make preparations for the Fajr prayer. So it alerts the one who is asleep to wake up, now time is coming for Fajr soon, and the person who is already awake praying the night prayer, it alerts them that the time is now ending for the night prayer, Fajr is about to start. So this is the wisdom in having the extra adhan prior to the actual adhan, to allow the people some further time to prepare, to wake up, and to allow those who are praying the night prayer to go and prepare and do what they need to do, uh, before the actual uh, Fajr time. The Shaykh then says, عَرَفْنَا مِنَ الرِّوَايَةِ أَنَّهُمَا بَيْنَهُمَا إِلَّا أَنْ يَنْزِلَ هَذَا وَيَسْعَدُ هَذَا He says, we've already learned from the previous narrations that the time between the initial adhan and then the actual adhan for Fajr was very small. Bilal barely used to come down from the initial adhan and then Ibn Maktoum almost soon after that used to get up and make the actual adhan. So there was only a small time between the two adhans. إِلَّا أَنَّ الْحَنَابِلَ قَالُوا Except it's mentioned that the Hanbalis, they said, 
يجوز الأذان للفجر بعد منتصف الليل ولكن هذا القول ليس بظاهر لأنه إذا تقدم كثيرا قبل الفجر عدمت الفائدة منه وهو التنبيه لصلاة الفجر Some of the, uh, the Hanbalis, it's mentioned as an opinion that it is permissible to make the Adhan for Fajr after half of the night. Because remember we said the opinion regarding Isha prayer is that it ends at half of the night. Either the third or the half maximum. So the Hanbalis, they said after half of the night, now you can do the Adhan for Fajr. However, this is not apparent. Because it wouldn't serve the purpose of waking the people and alerting them to the prayer now about to come. That would be hours before the actual prayer then, if you were to do it early after the middle of the night. So that's an opinion, but it's not the apparent or the, the actual opinion that is accepted or practiced. Because it would not wake the people for the prayer itself close to the time. And that is one of the benefits from the Adhan for Fajr, to wake the people at that time, to alert them that this is the time they need to awaken to pray. وَمِثْلُهُ الْأَذَانَ الْأَوَّلْ لِصَلَاةِ الْجُمْعَةِ And the same reasoning is behind the first Adhan on Jum'ah. فَإِنَّهُ فِي عَهْدِ عُثْمَانِ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ لَمَّا كَثُرَ النَّاسِ فِي الْمَدِينَةِ فِي خِلَافَتِهِ Because at the time of Uthman رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ when many people were present in Medina, there was an abundance of people at his time now. Many people during his leadership. رَأَى أَنْ يَجْعَلَ أَذَانًا مُتَقَدِّمًا قَبْلَ دُخُولِ صَلَاةِ الْجُمْعَةِ مِنْ أَجْلِ أَنْ يَتَنَبَّهَ النَّاسُ لِقُرْبِ وَقْتِ صَلَاةِ الْجُمْعَةِ فَتَهَيَّئُوا لِصَلَاةِ الْجُمْعَةِ So when there were so many people and the business and the trade and the various affairs going on, he saw that it was befitting to make an extra adhan prior or to have this extra adhan prior to the uh, Adhan of Jum'ah, to alert the people that the time is coming, to give them that extra time to prepare, etc. So that people don't continue then with their business and their affairs, but rather they become aware now the time is coming for Jum'ah, so they can stop that and start preparing. So this is like a judgment or a balance made from the Adhan issue. The first Adhan in Fajr is to alert the people prior to the actual Adhan to give them more time and alert them that the time is coming now so they can prepare. Same for Jum'ah, to allow them that time and give them that alert that the time for Jum'ah is coming. وَهُوَ مِنْ عَمَلِ الْخَلِيفَةِ الرَّاشِدِ عُثْمَانِ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ And this is what Uthman radiallahu anhu did at his time. And we know that the Prophet ﷺ said, وَقَدْ قَالَ النَّبِيُّ سَأَسَلَّمُ عَلَيْكُمْ بِسُنَّتِي وَسُنَّةِ الْخُلَفَاءِ الرَّاشِدِينَ الْمَهْدِيِّينَ مِنْ بَعْدِ Upon you is my sunnah and the sunnah of the rightly guided khulafa who come after me. وَفِي هَذَا And this is important what the Shaykh mentions here now. In response to some of those deviated individuals now, regrettably at this moment in time, from those who claim uh, to be upon the sunnah, yet they belittle the scholars and they speak against them, those who are now following currently in this fitna occurring with regards to the maj uh, and those students, this is one of the issues they have 
began to attack some of the scholars over, uh, including Sheikh Rabi'a. They have begun to speak against him on it. And look what Sheikh Rozan says. وَفِي هَذَا رَدٌ عَلَى مَنْ زَعْمَ He says, this is a refutation upon the one who claims أَنَّ الْأَذَانَ الْأَوَّلَ فِي يَوْمِ الْجُمْعَةِ بِدْعَةِ That the adhan, the first adhan on Friday is an innovation. He says, that is not correct. This is a refutation of those people. The statement of the Prophet ﷺ, upon you is my sunnah and the sunnah of the khulafa. And this was from the sunnah of the khulafa, from Uthman radiallahu anhu. فَإِنَّ عَمَلَ الْخُلَفَاءِ الرَّاشِدِينَ لَيْسَ مِنَ الْبِدْعَةِ So the actions of the Khulafa rashidin it is not innovation. وَإِنَّمَا هُوَ مِنَ السُنَّةِ Rather that is from the sunnah. فَعُثْمَانِ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ هُوَ ثَالِثُ الْخُلَفَاءِ الرَّاشِدِينَ ثُمَّ إِنَّهُ لَمَّا فَعَلَ ذَلِكَ لَمْ يُنْكِرْهُ عَلَيْهِ أَحَدٌ مِنَ الصَّحَابَ مَعَ تَوَافِرِهِمْ on top of that, the shaykh says, when Uthman radiallahu anhu decided to put this initial adhan in for Fridays too, all of the other companions, nobody rejected that upon him. As shaykh al-Fawzan, this is the statement of shaykh al-Fawzan. He says, nobody else rejected that upon him from the companions. Thirdly, فِي الْحَدِيثِ دَلِيلٌ عَلَى اسْتِمْرَارِ جَوَازِ الْأَكْلِ وَالشُّرْبِ إِلَى طُلُوعِ الْفَجْرِ the hadith indicates that it is permissible to keep eating and drinking up until the actual fajr time begins. Not when the first adhan is done. Continue past the first adhan, up until the actual adhan, the actual time. And that is due to the statement of the, uh, uh, the uh, ayah in the Qur'an. وَقُلُوا وَشَرَبُوا حَتَّى يَتَبَيَّنَ لَكُمُ الْخَيْطُ الْأَبْيَضُ مِنَ الْخَيْطُ الْأَصْوَدِ مِنَ الْفَجْرِ The fourth benefit... فِي الْحَدِيثِ دَلِيلٌ عَلَى جَوَازِ الْعِتِمَادِ عَلَى أَذَانِ الْمُؤَذِّنِ فِي الصَّيَامِ وَفِي صَلَاةِ الْفَجْرِ The hadith indicates that it is permissible for an individual to rely upon the mu'adhin to decide on the times of when to stop eating etc. to hear the adhan and to use that as his basis. كُلُوا وَشْرَبُوا حَتَّى يُؤَذِّنَ ابْنُ أُمْ مَكْتُومِ The Prophet said, Eat and drink until Ibn Umm Maktoum makes the adhan. Eat and drink until Ibn Umm Maktoum makes the adhan. So it is permissible for somebody to carry on eating and drinking until they hear the adhan of fajr. It's not a condition for you, for you to have to go out and to look for the fajr. Has it started? Has the horizontal light started to come out? You don't have to go and look for fajr starting itself. You can wait for the adhan. If that adhan is being done correctly and accurately in its time, and that is sufficient as uh, that is sufficient as a sign for you to base your worship upon. As for the hadith which comes after it, al hadith al ladhi ba'dahu wa an ibn Umar radiyallahu anhu ma an Bilal an adhna qabl al fajr, faamarahu nabi sallam an yarjaa wa yqool ala inna al abda nam. There's this other hadith where it's narrated from Ibn Umar radiallahu that Bilal, he gave the adhan prior to Fajr radiallahu anhu. But then the Prophet ﷺ told him to go back and say, indeed, the servant slept. Meaning that it was a mistake. However, what does this hadith mean? Firstly, the scholars have said that this hadith is weak anyway. Where the Prophet ﷺ told Bilal radiallahu anhu to go and clarify that his adhan wasn't where it should have been done. That he made it prior to the time of adhan, should be by accident. 
This hadith is weak. Because it goes against the hadith that we just mentioned. Whereas in that hadith we just mentioned, it shows clearly the permissibility of making the adhan prior to the uh, actual adhan. So this hadith where it seems to indicate that the Prophet said to Bilal, go and clarify that, that was a mistake. This hadith is not authentic and the scholars have said it is weak. Because this hadith, if it was authentic, it would indicate that it's not permissible to have that extra adhan before fajr. So this hadith, it seems to indicate that the Prophet was saying to Bilal, go back and make an announcement that you were sleepy and you didn't realize that Fajr hasn't started yet. I.e. tell the people you've made the Adhan by mistake. But this hadith is weak and it's not authentic. And in reality, as we've said, the previous narration is authentic, that it is permissible to make the Adhan prior to Fajr. This hadith is not established. The one where the Prophet said to Bilal, tell the people you made a mistake. There's no mistake in that. It's permissible to make the Adhan prior to Fajr. So this hadith is not authentic. وَقَدْ يَسْأَلُ سَائِلْ فَكَيْفَ الْجَمْعُ بَيْنَهُ وَبَيْنَ الْحَدِيثِ السَّابِقِ نَقُولَ الْحَدِيثِ السَّابِقِ حَدِيثٌ صَحِيحٌ وَهَذَا حَدِيثٌ ضَعِيفٌ Like we said, if somebody comes along and says, now what do we do? We have these two narrations. One says it's okay to make the first adhan before the actual adhan of Fajr. This one says that the Prophet told Bilal, go tell them you made a mistake, you shouldn't have done that. How do we combine between them? Like we said, the first hadith is authentic. This hadith is weak. So there's no need for any combination. This one is weak. You act upon the authentic hadith, which is that it is permissible to make an adhan prior to the actual adhan. The shaykh says, even if this hadith was authentic, let's say this hadith was authentic, then the shaykh says you can combine between them by saying that this hadith was at the beginning of Islam. Initially, it wasn't allowed to make the extra adhan, but then afterwards the second adhan was permissible to be made. So this command of only making the actual adhan for Fajr and not making one prior to it, it was abrogated later, if this hadith is authentic. So in any case, we come back to the same conclusion, which is that it is permissible to make the extra adhan prior to the actual adhan of Fajr. Then, وَعَنَ بِسَعِيدٍ الْخُدْرِ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ قَالْ قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم إذا سمعتم النداء فقولوا مثل ما يقول المؤذن متفق عليه وللبخاري رحمه الله عن معاوية مثله يعني أنه يشرع لسامع المؤذن أن يقول مثل ما يقول وقوله مثل منصوب على أنه صفة لمفعول محذوف أي قولوا قولا مثل ما يقول المؤذن in this hadith of Abu Sa'id al-Khudri radiyallahu anhu, he says that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, if you hear or when you hear the adhan, then say the same as what the mu'addin says. When you hear the adhan, then say the same as the mu'addin says. And that is a hadith that is agreed upon by al-Bukhari and Muslim. And as for the hadith of Umar, radiyallahu anhu, fi fadlil qawli, kama yaqulu al-mu'addin, kalimatan kalima, siwa al-hayy alatayn, fayaqulu la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. 
So this hadith of Abu Sa'id al-Khudri radiallahu anhu tells us that you repeat after the mu'addin what he says. The next hadith of Umar radiallahu anhu gives more detail. And it says you are supposed to repeat word after word. So if the mu'addin says Allahu Akbar, then you say Allahu Akbar. When the mu'addin says Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah, then you say Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah. The mu'addin says Ashhadu anna Muhammadan Rasulullah, you say Ashhadu anna Muhammadan Rasulullah. But when the mu'addin says Hayya ala salah and Hayya ala al-falah, then you don't repeat the same words. Then you say, as this hadith says, "La hawla wa la quwwata illa billah." La hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. That's what it says. You say at that point. So when the mu'addin says "Hayya ala salah" and "Hayya ala al-falah," this is what's known as al-Hayya ala tain. And the person says, لا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله at that stage. ومعنى لا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله and the meaning of لا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله is that you declare your innocence of having any ability or strength or power or might without Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You declare your innocence that you yourself have no ability or might or power to do anything without the uh, without Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That without Allah a person is weak in of himself. Except if Allah allows him the ability to do what he requires to do. So by saying la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah, you are affirming that all of the might and the power and majesty is to Allah. And you yourself have no ability without the aid of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the assistance and the ability that Allah then gives to you. By yourselves you have no ability. So why would that be said here when you say hayya ala salah, hayya ala falah? Because hayya ala salah, hayya ala falah, it means come to the prayer, come to success. But you yourself have no ability to go to the prayer and to go to success except if Allah gives you that ability and gives you the strength to be able to do it. So when you are being called to success and you are being called to the prayer, then you say, لا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله That it is only through Allah allowing me to have that ability I can do that. So that's what you affirm, this tawheed to Allah, that you could not walk to the mosque or go to the mosque or do that or answer to this mu'adhin and go to the success and to the prayer without the aid and assistance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The question arises, is it obligatory to recite after the mu'addin when he says what he says? When the mu'addin says Allahu Akbar, do you have to say Allahu Akbar as an obligation? Do you have to follow the imam in what he is saying as an obligation or not? If we take the apparent meaning of this hadith, then it would indicate it's an obligation. Because the apparent meaning of the hadith is, قُولُوا A command form. Say as the mu'addin says. وَالْأَصْلُ فِي الْأَمْرِ أَنَّهُ يَدُلُّ عَلَى الْوُجُوبِ And the origin of a command form indicates that it means obligation. لَكِنْ جُمْهُورُ أَهْلِ الْعِلْمِ عَلَىٰ أَنَّهُمْ مِنْ بَابِ الْإِسْتِحْبَابِ But the majority of the scholars take the opinion that it is something mustahab. Not an obligation, but it is mustahab to do that. وَمَا الدَّلِيلُ عَلَىٰ أَنَّهُ لِلْإِسْتِحْبَابِ But what's the evidence then that it's only mustahab and not wajib? 
قالوا لأنه ورد أن الرسول صلى الله عليه وسلم لما سمع مؤذنا فإنه لما قال الله أكبر الله أكبر فإنه قال صدقت أو نحو هذا ولما قال أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله قال خرجت من النار فالرسول صلى الله عليه وسلم في هذا الحديث لم يجبه بمثل ما يقول وإنما أتى بكلام غيره فدل على أن الإجابة غير واجبة فيكون هذا الحديث صارفا للأمر من الوجوب إلى الاستحباب They say the reason why it's not an obligation to have to repeat after the mu'addin the words that he says because there is a hadith where on one occasion the Prophet ﷺ was listening to the mu'addin doing the adhan and he was not repeating after the same words. In fact, he was saying some other words. In one hadith, the mu'addin was making the adhan and when the mu'addin said, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, then the Prophet ﷺ didn't repeat and say, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. He said, Sadaqta, you spoke the truth. And when the mu'addin said, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah, he said, Kharajta min al-nar, you've exited from the fire. So in this hadith, when the mu'addin was making the adhan, the Prophet ﷺ wasn't repeating the words. He was saying other words. So the majority of the scholars say that proves, therefore it's not an obligation. It can't be an obligation to have to say the words after every time the mu'addin makes the adhan. Because on this occasion, the Prophet ﷺ didn't do it. So therefore they said the meaning of it is that it's mustahab, that you should do it. That's something you should do. When you hear the mu'addin, do it. Repeat the words after the mu'addin, uh, and that is something mustahab. And also making the adhan in the proper way. A person should be aware to make the adhan in the proper way. And we're going to come to that also. There are going to be a hadith which explain that the mu'addin, the person who is chosen to make the adhan, should be able to make it properly. A lot of people, they don't know how to make the adhan. They make some parts long that shouldn't be long. They make something mansub and it should be marfu'ah. They change the, the bits and they miss out dhamma sometimes. They miss out fatha sometimes. They change and they don't know the adhan and the words properly sometimes. So that's going to come to that the person making the adhan must be aware of how to pronounce that properly and accurately. وعن عثمان ابن أبي العاص رضي الله عنه أنه قال عثمان ابن أبي العاص رضي الله عنه he says يا رسول الله that he said أو messenger of Allah اجعلني إمام قومي make me the imam of my people عثمان ابن أبي العاص رضي الله عنه asked the Prophet make me the imam of my people فقال أنت إمامهم So the Prophet said to him You be the imam He told him You be the imam You are the imam وَاقْتَدِي بِأَضْعَفِهِمْ And make sure you take care of the weak ones i.e. when you're leading prayer Make sure you take care into consideration those who are in the congregation behind you the weak ones particularly So a person doesn't extend the prayer so long that the people who are elderly and weak they can't burden that etc. So he said, look after the weak ones. وَاتَّخِذْ مُؤَذِّنًا And choose a mu'adhin, have a mu'adhin. لَا يَأْخُذُ عَلَىٰ أَذَانِهِ أَجْرًا Who doesn't take any wage for the adhan that he does. Then we have the hadith of Malik ibn al-Huwayrith. رضي الله عنه قال, قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم, إِذَا حَضَرَتِ الصَّلَاءِ فَلْيُؤَدِّنْ لَكُمْ أَحَدُكُمْ If or when the time of the prayer comes, then one of you make the adhan. 
So now, in this first hadith of Uthman ibn Abil As, عنه, he asks the Prophet ﷺ to make him the Imam of his people. And Uthman ibn Abil As, a Thaqafi, he was from Ta'if. And he came to the Prophet ﷺ in a delegation in the ninth year of Hijrah. He came to the Prophet ﷺ in a delegation in the ninth year of Hijrah. So the Prophet ﷺ made a tent for them at the side of the masjid, a small place where they could stay whilst they were staying there in Medina to learn from the Prophet ﷺ. And Uthman ibn Abil As was one of those people who had come journeying to stay with the Prophet ﷺ for a while to learn. And he was young at the time. So when he came and he was in Medina, he used to cling on and stick to the Prophet ﷺ always. So he could learn a lot. And he ended up learning a lot of the Qur'an and the Sunnah. So he considered, Uthman ibn Abil As radiallahu anhu considered that he would be able sincerely to lead the people and guide them and teach them when he went back. Because he had come and he had studied with the Prophet and he had learned. And he desired this goodness. He desired this goodness to go back and to preach that and to spread that and to aid and give da'wah. So he asked the Prophet Make me the imam. Make me the imam of those people when I go back to them in the prayer. So the Prophet ﷺ, he agreed. He saw that this person, Uthman ibn al-As anhu, is deserving to be the imam. He is deserving to be the imam. So he made him the imam. He said, you be the imam. And he made him the leader of the people of Ta'if. And Uthman ibn al-As anhu, continued to be the leader of the people of Ta'if until the Prophet ﷺ died. And he continued to be the leader even when Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu anhu was the Khalifa now. And even after that when Umar radiallahu anhu was the Khalifa. Then at the time of Umar, Umar radiallahu anhu made him the Khalifa or the leader, the leader, the Amir upon Uman. Uman and that area, Sahil, Uman, those areas on the beach, that area, uh, he made him the leader of that area. And it's mentioned about Uthman ibn Abil As that when the Prophet died, he gave a khutbah to the people of Ta'if. And he encouraged them to be firm and resolute upon Islam and not to apostate. And he said to them, he said to the people of Ta'if, don't be the last of the people who became Muslims and the first of the people who become apostates. Don't be from amongst those people, you were from the last of the people who became Muslims. Don't be the first of the people to become apostates. Be firm and resolute upon Islam. So he caused those people by the command and the wisdom, uh, the uh, blessing of Allah to be uh, firm uh, and those people, they did not therefore apostate. So this hadith indicates that it is permissible for somebody to ask for leadership. If that individual is doing it sincerely for the sake of Allah, desiring goodness, desiring the reward of Allah, because that is a responsibility, and especially an Islamic position. An individual wishes to be the imam or he wishes to be some leader of a center, Islamic center, 
then he must be somebody capable and responsible because this is going to be a burden upon his shoulders. And he's going to be held accountable in front of Allah for his actions in that leadership of his. But here, that was an instance where this companion, radiallahu anhu, genuinely, sincerely wanted to do that for the sake of Allah. Because he recognized he had the ability. And the Prophet similarly recognized he had the ability. And that's why he agreed and made him the leader of that area. Um, and it's mentioned in some narrations that whomsoever has leadership or desires leadership, then the affair will be burdened upon his shoulders. And the responsibility will be upon his shoulders in front of Allah and the accountability. Um, so the Prophet said to him, you are their leader, I you be the imam in the prayer. Then he gave him some advice. When the Prophet said to him, you be the imam then, he gave him some advice. The first advice was, Look after the weak people in the congregation. Look after the poor people, the, the weak people in the congregation. So don't make the prayer so long that the weak people in the congregation can't burden it. بَلْ صَلِّ بِهِمْ صَلَاةً تُنَاسِبُ حَالَهُمْ Rather pray with the people a prayer that is suitable to their level, suitable to what they can burden. وَلَا تَنْظُرْ إِلَى حَالِ الْأَقْوِيَاءِ And don't base your decision on how long to pray upon the strong people in the congregation. Look at the weak ones, how much they can burden. وَكَذَلِكَ فِي الْحُضُورِ لِلْإِقَامَةِ فَإِنَّكَ لَا تَحْبِسُهُمْ حَبْسًا يُضَائِقُهُمْ so then the shaykh says also to make sure that you don't extend the waiting time beyond the actual times. So when the adhan goes, after a certain period of time, we do the iqamah and pray. Not to leave it for 40 minutes, one hour, one half hours before you pray, and the people are sat there waiting all that time. That's a burden upon them. But to make the times appropriate, and to make the length of the prayer appropriate, and sometimes the Prophet used to want to elongate the prayer, but he wouldn't do it. If he heard, for example, a child crying, he would shorten the prayer and make it lighter, uh, uh, to indicate the mercy upon the mother so she can then look after her child, etc. So there is no difficulty or burden to be placed upon the congregation in that way. Then the Prophet also advised him, وَاتَّخِذْ مُؤَذِّنًا And choose a, a mu'adhin, have a mu'adhin. Uh, and this indicates, وجوب جعل المؤذن الذي يتعهد بالأذان this indicates that there should be a mu'adhin who is appointed, the shaykh says. There should be a mu'adhin who is appointed. Somebody who is recognized as the mu'adhin. And it should not be just left like that, that anybody just comes in and does the adhan. And sometimes the shaykh says, if you don't have appointed people to make the adhan, People might get together in the mosque and nobody even realizes. They might end up praying even nobody's made the adhan. Nobody's even made the adhan. They might not know. They've come together and they just pray. 
And similarly, another problem if there isn't an appointed mu'adhin is that the times will be left until it gets late. If there isn't somebody who is given the responsibility, then people will just make the adhan whenever they get together in the masjid. And that might be after the time that is suitable for the adhan to be made. It could be late. وَيَتَوَاكَلُونَ فِي ذَلِكَ بَلْ يُعْهَدُ بِالْأَذَانِ إِلَىٰ ثِقَةٍ يَقُومُ بِهِ عَلَى الْوَجْهِ الْمَطْلُوبَ Rather the adhan should be appointed to somebody or a number of individuals as we mentioned is permissible who are going to take that responsibility and they are trustworthy individuals who can make the adhan on time properly for the prayers. لَا يَتَّخِذُ عَلَىٰ أَذَانِهِ أَجْرًا that the person doesn't take any wage for the adhan. The meaning of this is that a person who does the adhan, he doesn't do it for any worldly objectives. He doesn't do the adhan for any worldly gains. Rather, he does the adhan desiring the reward of Allah. Because the adhan is an act of worship, seeking by closeness to Allah. And therefore, these types of worships, then worldly benefits, gains, wages should not be taken. وَلَا يَجُوزُ أَن تُتَّخَذْ مِنْ بَابِ الْحِرْفَةِ لِطَلَبِ الدُّنْيَا Similarly, it's not permissible for somebody to be a professional mu'avvin. To take that as a profession. He becomes known as a professional mu'avvin. And he gets paid and he goes from mosque to mosque like that. That's not a permissible type of job to do. This adhan is not that way. وَكَذَلِكَ بَقِيَّةُ الْوَضَائِفَ الدِّينِيَّةِ لَا تُتَّخَذُ مِنْ بَابِ الْحِرْفَةِ لِطَلَبِ الدُّنْيَا Similarly, the other Islamic, Islamic uh, types of worship and Islamic affairs, those Islamic types of affairs should not be taken as professions, as a profession that a person only does them just for the sake of wealth, just for the sake of the money. And that, not should be, that should not be done with the Islamic affairs. وَإِنَّمَا يُقَامُ بِهَا إِبْتِغَاءً لِلْأَجْرِ وَالثَّوَابِ Rather, a person does that seeking the reward of Allah. وَهَذَا لَا يَمْنَعُونَ يَأْخُذَ الْمُؤَذِّرِ مَا يُعْطَى مِنْ بَيْتِ الْمَالِ لَأَنَّ بَيْتِ الْمَالِ لِلْمُصَالِحِ الْعَامَّةِ فَيَأْخُذُ مَا يُعْطَى مِنْ بَيْتِ الْمَالِ يَسْلِعِينَ بِهِ عَلَى الْتَفَرُّغِ لِلْأَذَانِ وَلَيْسَ هَذَا مِنْ بَابِ الْأُجْرَةِ However, if from the, the wealth of the Muslims, the Baytul Mal, if that Mu'addin was given some amount of money to cover him for his uh, doing this job and coming and coming five times a day and putting that time out, which may prevent him from being able to do other work, etc., then there's no harm in giving the mu'addin some amount of money in order that he can then use that for himself and his family because he's putting this time out, coming to the masajid or coming to the masjid at those times prior to the prayer, making the adhan, etc. And that takes time. And that time may prevent him from earning money elsewhere. So if you were to give him something for that, then there is no issue. So this hadith therefore indicates that it is permissible to request leadership if you are sincere and genuine for the sake of Allah and that there is a responsibility upon that person to do so. Also it indicates that there should be people who are designated and assigned as the mu'addin of a masjid. Uh, Also the hadith indicates that it is not permissible to seek worldly benefits in exchange for the hereafter. And there is a chapter in Kitab al regarding that. And that's linked to this topic that we mentioned, 
that religious affairs like making the adhan, a person shouldn't make that his profession or an occupation that he's a professional adhan giver or something of that nature. This type of job is not befitting. Worldly benefits should not be sought after Islamic affairs. Also in the hadith it mentions that a person should look after the weak people in the congregation in order to elongate their prayer beyond their ability. Um, uh, and also in the hadith, the second hadith that we mentioned, the hadith of Malik ibn al-Hawairith radiallahu anhu, then it's the same as the other one. Uh, it mentions that when he came uh, to the Prophet and they learnt and the Prophet learned that they had, uh, saw that they had learnt their religion and that they are in need of going back to their people. So he permitted them to go. But he commanded them or he gave them advice that when the time for the prayer comes, one of you lead the prayer and the elder one lead the... Uh, one, one of you uh, do the adhan and the elder one lead the prayer. And again we'll come to the details of the one who should lead the prayer. So this indicates previously, as the other one indicated, that there should be a person who is taken as the mu'adhin. Somebody who has responsibility, somebody who has uh, ability to have that responsibility for those times to come and make the adhan and not to be left randomly for anybody to make the adhan. As for the person leading the prayer, then it's mentioned in a hadith, يَا أُمُّ الْقَوْمَ أَقْرَأُهُمْ لِكِتَابِ اللَّهِ فَإِنْ كَانُوا فِي الْقِرَاءَةِ سَوَافَ أَعْلَمُهُمْ بِسُنَّةِ فَإِنْ كَانُوا فِي السُنَّةِ سَوَافَ أَقْدَمُهُمْ هُجْرَةً فَإِنْ كَانُوا فِي الْهِجْرَةِ سَوَافَ أَقْدَمُهُمْ سَلْمًا This hadith is going to come later on regarding who has the right to lead the prayer. And that issue will come, inshaAllah, later regarding who has the right to lead the prayer. But inshaAllah from next week we'll carry on from the chapter of the Adhan to mention some of the other conditions that are needed in that person who is assigned as the Mu'addin. Who is the type of person who should be assigned as the Mu'addin? And that we'll do next week and we'll conclude the chapter of the prayer. And then from the week after inshaAllah we'll begin with the conditions of the prayer itself. So next week we'll conclude the chapter of the Adhan rather. And then after that, the week after, insha'Allah, we'll begin in the chapter of the prayer.